Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the FinTech Friday podcast. Uh, just before we jump right into this week's episode, I just wanted to make just a real quick announcement. Uh, I just wanted to announce that we here at the NCFA, the National FinTech and Crowdfunding Association, are going to be hosting the NCFA annual, not to be missed, fifth annual 2019 FinTech and Financing Conference and Expo. It's going to be better known as FFCon 19, happening on April 3rd to the 4th here in Toronto, Canada. So save the date. FFCon 19 is an immersive two-day conference and expo featuring high-growth startups and scale-ups, emerging technologies, regulation, game-changing projects, the latest trends, deal flow, and investment opportunities. This year's theme is fearless. With so much global risk in the air with, I mean... You got the U.S. versus China, you have China and Canada, Brexit, fintech industry adoption challenges, startup funding challenges, scaling issues. FFCon 19 is empowering companies with everything they need to build amazing next generation businesses right here in Canada and taking them global to show off to the world. We're launching it this week and registration and partnership opportunities will be opening up soon. So stay tuned and stay involved. And without any further ado, this is episode 24 with the CEO of Connection Point, Daryl. Hatton. Everybody, how are you doing today? Macy Bacon here, and you are tuning in to another fantastical episode of FinTech Fridays. Uh, today, I am absolutely, I have the pleasure to sit down with Daryl, the CEO of uh, Connection Point. Daryl, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited uh, to jump right into it. Uh, happy to be here. We're going to have some fun. Awesome. So, uh, could you just a little, for the audience, give us a little bit of who you are and essentially who and what Connection Point is? Sure. Well, I'm Daryl Hattman, founder and CEO. Company's called Connection Point. We're best known for Fundraiser, which is our, our enterprise crowdfunding platform. I'm a serial entrepreneur, started a company, took it public on NASDAQ way back uh, in, in 1999. And uh, we had one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. that year. Fast forward a bunch of years and I left that and said, gee, do I want to do business again? And I uh, started Connection Point six months in a day after I left the other company. And uh, along the way, we started to do fundraiser and we learned a whole lot about the market and here we are. Awesome. So what made you kind of switch from like, so why, so why crowdfunding? Um, like why, like this was, I'm, I'm assuming this was early in 2000s, right? Um, like you said, you were essentially one of the OGs, OG entrepreneurs out here. Um, yeah. Why, why crowdfunding? Yeah, it was uh, in, it was actually 2008 and one of the things that we were looking to do is like i wanted to start this new business but because i was under an intellectual property rights deal with my previous company i actually couldn't think about it really and being um careful about it didn't want to think about it while i was with the other company so six months in a day i'm now cut free and out and i said okay what can i do and it took from about september of that year until January to really figure out that I wanted to get into the social funding space. And the reason I was doing it was I was coachable across team and I was looking for ways to get paid and to raise money for my team. So, you know, collect some fees and take some donations because we were doing 50, 50 and all that kind of stuff. 
and I had a little epiphany. Um, I was trying to also get the guys out to practice, and I was sending out emails. Nobody was showing up. But I started a Facebook group and posted the date, time, and practice, and I had 100% attendance the first time I did that. And a light bulb went on and said, hey, can I get them to pay their fee like that? And fundraiser was born. So it really was all about trying to scratch my own itch in the, in the early days. As we developed it, the idea of paying the fees really didn't take off very well. But the idea of collecting donations went nuts. And that's what we built the company around. Awesome. So could you, still sticking on the early days, I know uh, on our call before we even before we even started the episode, you compared like the early days of crowdfunding and how it's very parallel to now the early days of crypto and blockchain. Could you just go a little bit more in detail about that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when we started crowdfunding, no one knew what to call it. And uh, I even had an opportunity to buy crowdfunding.com as a domain name and was given some advice by a bunch of people in the industry going, no, nobody will ever want to call it that. Yeah, right. Whoops. So, you know, the interesting things that happened at that time, but we were really struggling in the beginning to try and talk about this intersection of social media and of finance technology and of marketing technology all into one platform that becomes a crowdfunding campaign. So we used the word crowdfunding a whole lot. And if you went to the crowdfunding conferences, everyone was talking crowdfunding. And to the people who were not in the industry, they would come and they'd hear us and they're going, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, you're not making any sense. All you're doing is dropping these buzzwords all the time. And one of the things that I hear going on now at crypto conferences and blockchain and the whole area of the new innovation in fintech around this is the same thing. There's a ton of terminology. Ask an entrepreneur, what do they do? And they'll have, um, you know, they'll talk about how they've got this unique twist on what they do with blockchain to do da 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 da. One of the lessons we learned from the crowdfunding world is can you explain what you do without ever using your buzzword? Can you explain the value of your business to somebody and have them get it, why it's important? and why you're gonna win without ever using the words. So for any crowdfunding or any, sorry, a crypto or, or blockchain entrepreneur right now, can you tell me why your business will be successful without ever using the words crypto or blockchain or any of the terminology around it? What's the business value that you're delivering to the customer and why is that really important? It may be a technical function that you're delivering, but there's a business reason in there not just a technology reason. And the companies that win are the ones that figure out how to communicate that business reason and build the technology to solve it. The big learning we had over that time is just, you know, kind of buzzwords are cool and they make you feel like you're an in crowd, but stop it. Start talking about your business and the value and, and the customers. It may seem a little bit more boring, but it's got a way better, higher chance of success. No, I absolutely agree with you. And I guess, I mean, like you've, you took a misstep and you said crowdfunding. I think it's crowdfunding is still in that same conversation, right? You want to be able to kind of give the elevator pitch without like your um, industry jargon, right? You want to be able to like go to like roll ups or any random person at Starbucks and kind of go like, hey, this is essentially my business. Does this sound like a good idea, right? Yeah. And you know, like it's easy to stumble into. I mean, as I just did it, you know, it's, a shortcut for us to try and take a, a set of concepts that we have in our head and communicate them more easily to other people who also have similar concepts. And it's just good practice to try and do it without that. Yeah, you know, it, I absolutely agree with uh, you. It, it's, uh, it's kind of fun once you get into it because you get to laugh at yourself a lot as you keep taking the shortcut. 
Yeah, I, I, I can absolutely see that. So you guys focus on a enterprise crowdfunding. Could you just explain a little bit, like, why is that different than the Kickstarters and the Indiegogos out there? Well, yeah, it might help to kind of hear the path we got to with that. And so let me give you a little bit of background. When we started our crowdfunding platform, we were all about personal funding, helping people raise money because they had cancer, they had a tragedy, they had a car accident, something happened in their lives and they needed emergency funds. And the best way to do that was to talk to the friends and family and get them to the money to help because those are the people who are most invested in helping you. And it worked. It, it saved babies and it helped you know, people recover from car accidents and it helped people deal with medical bills, especially in the United States. And along the way, you know, we, one of the ways we had to communicate was to use Facebook to share. And as we were doing that, some nonprofits came along and they said, you know, we love this kind of tool set, but it's kind of weird to use it as a person. So could we use it under the name of our organization? So we start, or the name of our charity. So we added features in to make it so you could do a personal campaign or a charitable campaign. And that ended up, you know, giving us a whole new set of requirements, but a whole new set of customers. And then Kickstarter at the time, was doing a good job and Indiegogo was starting to do more in funding of entrepreneurial style projects or creative projects. And we ended up uh, getting asked, hey, could we fund our project with you? Because you guys seem to be really good at social sharing. So now we've got three constituent groups of customers, personal, nonprofit, and now entrepreneurial or creative. And over the period of time, as we built out all the features for all of those, it started to become what we call an enterprise crowdfunding platform. And the reason for that is that we're solving a lot of the problems for those customers at a much more deep level about things like team communications around running your crowdfunding campaign. Can you have a lot of people on your team, both as managers, which is pretty easy for most apps to think about, but then also as things like promoters. Can you hire somebody on to the team whose job it is to go and, and promote you to influencers in the industry and track their results and help figure out whether or not they're helping you raise money for your campaign. So we call it an enterprise crowdfunding platform right now because the basics of what a crowdfunding campaign are have morphed into, in our case, over 10 different ways to do campaigns. And some of them are very charitable focused, some of them are very personal focused, and some of them are, are very much a business focused. I love that. Could you, I mean, Ah, crap. I, I kind of want you to tell the story that you told me over the phone of, of that father reaching out to you about, about his little girl and like how the, the example that you use of like some people create a business to create a business. Some people kind of fall into, into the business. Can you, can you tell that story a little bit? Cause sure, I love it yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things people look at us with fundraiser and the reason we've got the different brands, we'll talk about this a little bit as well, is that um, there's different ways to do crowdfunding and, when people look at our technology, they get confused by it. So we actually give it different brand names to help separate the customers apart from each other. Funny enough, but the story that you're referring to, when we first launched in, um, you know, we kind of had to do a relaunch of the platform in July of 2010 after surviving a near-death experience with uh, Facebook kicking the, the chair out from underneath us. And we'll talk about that maybe too. But basically, um, so we restarted the campaign and we're focused on these personal donations. And my goal when starting this was to build a business. I wasn't trying to go save the world. I wasn't trying to you know, raise money for charitable causes. And that was because it was a good thing to do for the planet. I was trying to build a business. And we were really struggling trying to help ourselves understand 
why customers were using this and what they were really trying to do. And it feels now like we were just so totally naive about what was going on. But so we launched in July of 2010 and we're, we're going along and we're watching this incredible growth happening. All these people are using these campaigns and we're really focused on how do we help them raise more money, but not really thinking about why they're raising more money. And then we got a Christmas card. The Christmas card was from a family that had been living off the grid in Hawaii. I think they were maybe living, even living on the beach kind of thing. He got out of the US military. They'd hooked up as a couple. They'd had a little girl. And you know, so they didn't have, they were kind of dropped out a little bit of the system, I think. They didn't have health insurance, that kind of thing. And they discovered that their little girl had been diagnosed with childhood leukemia. So in the race to try and figure out how to save her, again, no health insurance in the U.S. there for that, they found out that the military hospital in San Diego would take her because he'd been in the military. But they had to get the girl there ASAP because childhood leukemia is a very fast-moving disease. So they put up a campaign on fundraiser, and they raised, the, I think it was $3,500 they needed to get their flights, like, you know, right now, to, uh, and get them a little accommodation when they hit San Diego. And they took a couple of days and they got her there. And when they got her there, the doctor said, if you hadn't got her here today or tomorrow, you pro she probably would have died. And so they sent us a thank you card saying, thanks for helping save our daughter's life. We didn't, I mean, that just smacked us hard. We had no idea that really that was kind of the end result if you will, the business value of what we delivered wasn't raising money. It was helping save somebody's life or helping save a puppy dog or helping someone recover from an accident. It, those are the things, the real value we are delivering. It wasn't collecting money in a social environment. And so that epiphany just really changed how we looked at the business. And, you know, um, we still are a profit-making business really low on the profit side because we're trying to scale it and, and it's a harder market than people might think. But it is, um, you know, there is that nice benefit that we actually have this big business value that's a very personal value and a very charitable value in the background. And that's a fantastic way to come to work every morning and, and think about what you do for the day is you help people save puppy dogs and little girls. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best... Uh customer testimonial I've probably ever heard. Uh, <laughs> possibly ever, if not in a very, very long time. Um, you did briefly before you jumped into the story, you talked about how you broke down your business into uh, different kind of brands. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that and how that ties into you guys scaling? Because like you said, you guys are not as quote unquote profitable because you're trying to scale. Could you talk a little bit more of like the challenges of scaling and uh, like being a crowdfunding service? Sure. Um, when we started Connection Point, you know, we knew that, I don't know, I just had this hunch that the technology that we were going to build would have more than one use case in the marketplace. Because really, it's, it's a marketing system. And so what kind of problem are you trying to solve with it as a marketing system? Was it personal? Was it corporate? Was it uh, charitable? So we started Fundraiser with the idea that it was the general purpose platform for crowdfunding using a donations or rewards type model. So donations model being your, your traditional charitable thing, you know, GoFundMe is a good example of that. The rewards model is the Kickstarter or Indiegogo model where you're doing an all or nothing campaign and you're giving the donor some reward back. So that was really 
it took the majority of our, our focus and energy. And as a result, we tended to lump more customers into that pile than we maybe should have because it, you know, it was just more convenient to just kind of keep them focused on the one brand for a while. But over the last couple of years, we've really noticed that a couple of different use cases are showing up that are worth separating them out from the main stream. So it's all the same technology with a different skin on it and sometimes a little bit of a tweak to the feature set. But an example of that is one of our brands we call CocoPay. CocoPay stands for Collaborative Community Payments and it's designed to be used by businesses to allow or enable their customers to use crowdfunding to help them finance the purchase of the product or service. So that's a big long mouthful. But if you imagine, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if we had this chat, but there's the, uh, uh, a company in the States called Enchroma. And they do glasses that you can put on. And if you're colorblind, it'll help show you colors for about 80% of the people who are colorblind that put them on. It's really emotional to not have seen color and now to see it. I mean, this world is full of color. But the glasses are, are, you know, mildly expensive. They're between, if you do it right, you're probably going to get two pairs of them. They're going to be between $500 and $1,000. And some people can't afford that. So if you go to the Enchroma website, there's a spot on their site where you can use our technology to start a crowdfunding campaign that will, with Enchroma branding, tell the story of the Enchroma glasses and help you communicate that to your friends and family and coworkers and others in your social network and help you buy the glasses. Now it might be for you, but one of the most common use cases is to buy them as a gift for somebody else. So a classroom will get together and buy them for their teacher. And then, or someone will buy them for a military vet. They had that happen. Not quite sure how they got there with colorblind, but they did. So that, that was really cool. And then, you know, they'll buy them for grandpa because grandpa's never had it. Always took care of the kids, got to go to college, got the grandkids going, never really took the time to figure it out himself or was didn't have anything available so the family gets together and buys grandpa glasses that let him see color for the first time and the Enchroma folks tell you how to do it right to capture it in your YouTube moment they say take a whole bunch of colorful balloons and take them outside somewhere and don't tell them what it's all about and just ask them to put on these cool looking sunglasses and they're, they're cool good stylish glasses and usually what happens is the glasses go on the glasses come off, the glasses go on, glasses come off, and whoever it is is crying. And and they were, because, you know, it's that. It's super emotional, yeah, I get it. Super oh, emotional, man. and there's some guys that have just gone off on the, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, Rance, they're so funny. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, is that by allowing the community to work together to buy something, it may not seem like it's that big a use case, but if you get into a lot of medical devices that are, you know, maybe, $10,000 because you need special walker or you need something that gives someone mobility. They may not be able to afford it right away, but their friends and their family and their social networks will go, let's fix that for them. They're a good person. We'll fix that for them. And CocoPay lets them, you know, safely raise the money and pay it to the company as opposed to paying it into the individual so that you don't have to worry about fraud and it's all or nothing. So that the, if you don't raise enough money, nobody's out you know you don't get halfway towards buying one of these things and now what do you do with all the money and you know refund it to everybody and take a few hits from the payment companies you know you're kind of at a net loss for trying to do something good so it takes all the best of the crowdfunding technologies of all or nothing social sharing 
teamwork, collaboration, in our case, you know, branding of the company, and puts it all together in a package that somebody can use to crowd finance a purchase. Some idea of, of where it's the same technology, but if we're going to sell it to a company, they don't want to come to our website and see that we're raising, we're saving puppy dogs and little girls. They're going, how does this affect my business? Why am I doing that? And so there's a dedicated site to, to CocoPay to talk about its business value. But 99.8% of the technology is the same as fundraising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this does bleed into, um, I guess, my next question of corporate good, right? And how you're seeing, you've mentioned in the, in the phone call that we have that how corporations are now not for the sake of, oh, hey, we're going to go and plant trees just for the sake of planting trees. No, we're going to go and pick an issue that our customers or clients um, are very passionate about and then try to spearhead it. And like the best example that I can think of would be when Adidas and Nike decided to take all like ocean pollution plastic and remake it into sneakers because ocean pollution was something that both companies audiences were very passionate about. So they created a sneaker behind it and that started this whole renewable shoe movement. Right? So why is, or how is, Corporate got like corporate good, better or yeah, better better than like the government initiatives that are going on or the charity initiatives or is or should we see it as more as like a tag on? One of the things I didn't say in the beginning, if you actually look at the mission of what we have with Connection Point, we're trying to well we are we're reimagining philanthropy, and one of the reasons that we want to do that is that the hypothesis is that we can get causes corporations, and consumers to all work together to solve world funding problems because everyone can have a win in that and the collective group of all of them also gets a win. So for example, you you said it very well that consumers are now wanting to have their companies do more than just supply them the product. You know, in the case of, of the shoe companies, they saw an opportunity to not only sell shoes, but to solve an environmental problem at the same time. And they knew through research that their consumers would really like that. That's got a kind of a, you know, in the social impact space, you talk about multiple bottom lines. You know, the bottom line, I get a great pair of shoes from a brand that I love. The story behind the shoes is fascinating and fantastic. You know, these used to be junk in the ocean and they've turned it into, look at these things, these are amazing. And that at the same time, that's reducing pollution in the ocean. So the consumer there is driving that behavior because they de- they're demanding more from their partners. And the partners are interested in doing this because it builds loyalty with their customers. Their ability to go and, and use the best things of what corporations can do, which is communication at massive scale, and the ability to actually execute on programs to change social problems. In, in some cases though, they need to have somebody like a charity partner actually do some of that work for them, especially when it gets into softer skills. So if you've got a company that's not about saving plastic, but maybe helping with mental health, or maybe helping with um, you know, child poverty or, or food distribution or food, you know, food safety quality for lower income families, all sorts of things like that. The corporation might want to partner with a charity for the charity to deliver the work in the field, but then be able to use the fact that they're supporting that charity as a story for their consumers saying, hey, you know, we all care about this together. 
why don't you know you buy our products we work with these, this company and there's a, a trading of value that goes on in that system where they get money to the charity to do the work the consumer feels great because they know this charity is doing the work and they mean establishing a better relationship with the charity and they're more loyal to the, the company for buying that product so it I think it's one of the changes that we're going to see in society in the next few years is this is going to become the standard way to do it because it takes advantage of the strengths of all three parties and we built a product around that that we call Sponsify and Sponsify is designed to do the place where the, the company can even make an offer of to the donors or the contributors on how they might want to further support the cause so you know again getting that branding out there that says we're supporting this cause and helping the company get better value for the money that they can spend on it and a more measurable result. So that was a lot of words in there, but you know, if you can take out the idea that basically cost corporation consumers are going to work together because they already are, we just want to make it easier to do and less expensive for the companies particularly. And I think we're going to see something that will transform society. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. That's kind of what crowdfunding's uh, one, one of one of the missions of crowdfunding is, is, is to make like the world a lot better, um, to make it a better place, right? If it, be it that you're saving a little girl, or you're saving a little puppy or cleaning the oceans, right? Like the, the, the whole part is, especially with, I mean, millennials like me, we love to see that like corporations, charities, um, governments are taking more of an initiative to actually go after these social causes because these social causes are so near and dear to our heart. And now that companies are kind of using that, maybe... Some some could be as a marketing ploy. Some could be because they actually truly believe in the said cause. Um, it's yeah, crowdfunding. It's it's going to be very exciting um, in in the years to come. So with that, what does the future of crowdfunding look like? And essentially, what are you excited about in the space? Right? Are you excited that maybe in the future it might have like this blockchain integration? Are you excited that um, you you can start tokenizing a lot of donations um, and like start upvoting? Said yeah, there's lots in there. Let's just, just before we go there, let's think about one thing around, you know, I talked a lot about causes and what's going on there. And a lot of entrepreneurs that might be listening to this are going, yeah, but how does that apply to me? man? like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to do this little startup and I, I want to get this product out there and I'm, I'm having trouble with it, you know, funding it. So one of the, the benefits of crowdfunding in here is also the fact that because it enables communities to work together to solve a funding problem. That's basically the bottom line of what it does. Let's not worry about whether it's charitable or corporate or whatever, but if we all can work together and, and help us work together on that, one of the side effect benefits of this is that businesses that may not have been able to start before because of lack of capital can take a community of interested customers, prospects that will be customers, and use the model to help them pre-order enough product that they can go through the R&D phase, the initial production run, and get the product into the hands of consumers who really want it. That's a social benefit, because now we have a company that was created out of thin air, literally, and it's providing income, and it's providing satisfaction to consumers, and it's providing an opportunity for people to live out some of their dreams and maybe change the world because they've got a better widget in some form. You know, it's more efficient, it's more friendly, it's easier to use, it, you know, goes faster, it, whatever the real benefit in there is, those things are helping our society as well. And a lot of the entrepreneurs that are starting up campaigns right now are small companies. 
are realizing that they have to have that kind of social responsibility aspect baked into their company for two reasons. One, to attract their customers. And I think this is actually way more important, doesn't get enough press, to attract their employees. If you want to work for a nameless, soulless company, you know, big office tower, why am I here every day? This sucks. You know, I don't enjoy my work. I don't really feel like I'm making an impact. Or by the way, we work for this company and we're really clear that part of what we do is to help with this social problem or, you know, 10% of the proceeds of the profits from our company go to support the producers' families who are helping us build this neat new Echo backpack. You know, I don't know. I'm making up a story there. But basically, that feeling of going to work and having purpose, which we discovered by accident, is one of the key motivators for digital natives, millennials and Gen Z, to want to go to work. And they will work really a ton harder and put more of their life into their work when they feel like that work has got an impact on the planet. So you can use crowdfunding as a way to help fund the idea. And for all entrepreneurs that are, are looking to start up a business there, it's a great way to, to get revenue into your company without having to give up ownership. You know, uh, equity and securities crowdfunding is great, but you are giving up. It's the most expensive money you'll ever get because it costs you a big chunk of your company in the future. But sometimes that's all you can do, so you do it. But if you can fund it with some of these others and have that social tie-in, you can not only launch your product, but build a company where people want to work and where you can have some real satisfaction going home at the end of the day. So uh, I think there's a lot in there. And that's one of the things I'm very excited about. You know, it's, that's part of the future is now because it's just not evenly distributed. What, what, who is it uh, who said that? The future is, has arrived. It's not just evenly spread out. We can do that now. And then to answer your question about some of the other technology, you know, what I think of crypto and blockchain and much of that industry about is how do we make things more transparent and make it easy for us to see kind of our thread that ties through the financial story of the organization. So in the charitable world, we look at this and say, if you made a contribution to a cause to build wells in Africa, which well in Africa did my money go to build? And crypto and um, you know, blockchain, crypto being mechanism for kind of tracking where the value went, blockchain being where did it deploy, what's the ledger of it? Seems like it's going to be a very interesting topic because when people make a donation, they really want to know what good they did. And I can see some technology in there helping make that happen. At the moment, it's a bit of a geeky love because consumers aren't necessarily demanding that level of transparency, but it could be really cool once we have it because then they might start demanding it more once they know they can get it. So uh, I think there's lots of things that will happen in our financial world because of this distributed ledger capability. Mm -hmm. And I think it, like the, to, to harp on more on the transparency aspect, at some point, I think people would be it, it, pretty excited to see that like, oh, hey, like that little girl that I donated, 30 bucks to you, you can kind of track it like how you track like your orders on amazon right at some point we'll probably get to like that level of transparency we're like oh cool like they actually had they hit this goal or they're the next milestones this like it has they have something to kind of look forward to and it's like it's maybe, maybe not gamifying it but like it's yeah i know it's it just like fueling the fire of doing good being just being well, as, you're, as good as you can. you're right on with that we actually do that now in fundraiser we have a concept we call micro project and we've been leading the industry in trying to, to talk about this transition from don't fund 
I'll give you a really concrete example of this. No, please do. There's a, a cause called One Girl Can that helps girls in Eastern Africa um, get an education because the founders of this cause were very successful in business. And the couple, he continued to run the business and she decided to run her foundation on the side of it. And the foundation was about helping these girls get an education because they knew that the change in the quality of the life for them and even more so for the members of their community was so huge. So what they were doing is they were building schools in Eastern Africa. And last year we said to them, you know, that's a major project to build the school. What if we broke it down into a whole series of micro projects? Let's talk about each of the girls that needs to go through these schools and what would be their life like if they were able to go? What are their hopes and dreams and aspirations? And let's get people to fund them individually because in aggregate, you're going to get enough money to do your, your funding for the school. And so we call that micro projects, dividing a major project down into hundreds or thousands of small little projects. And our technology is designed to make that really efficient. But now the interesting thing, the stories that can come out of this, imagine that you, know, you sign up to help Curity, one of the girls, and she wants to be an engineer. Because we know that you signed up to fund just Purdy, we can send you updates on what's happening with just Purdy and her her um, her journey or going what through school. For yeah. So giving you that same kind of ongoing view into your social investment, different you know you put in money, but you're looking for a social payback, not a financial payback. Letting you track Purdy's progress, we said our you know dream story here is that Purdy adds to her campaign, because she's an adult, she can do that, like young adult, but she could add to her story saying, guys, I'm really nervous, I'm going in for my final here, I really appreciate all the support you've given me to get to this point. And then you have an audience in North America or around the world, waited with bated breath, and a little while later you get a thing going, I passed! Oh, you have happiness going on all over North America, because together they made a difference, right? Yeah. So it's uh, that we're doing it now without having to have that level of transparency in the blockchain, you know, to do that. But maybe blockchain will help make it a little bit more precise and a little more guaranteed mm -hmm. that you know it really happened and somebody just didn't revert it to you know the janitor there and you want to know that you actually did the good work. Yeah, I, I love it. It brings up other stuff. How do we fund overhead? But that's a different yeah. problem. So. <laughs> um, I, I love the fact that how, um, like your example really solidifies the, it takes a village to raise a child. You're going to like, hopefully like in the future, we're going to see like actual like villages or like digital villages helping raise children like in Africa or, or like Syria or what may have you like that, like following that story. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, like a vlog. So it's, uh, well, you know, I think, one of the other projects we're looking at is to fund um, portable solar-powered charging stations in, for villages in Africa. And would people be willing to donate to help make that happen if they could hear the stories of the villagers' lives that have been transformed? Because when they have power, they can study, the, the kids in the village can study at night without having to burn kerosene in their, in their homes, which is so hard on their health and is expensive. So if they could end up having light that would let them run their laptop or their phone or their or you know their tablet, they're they're starting to get some technology, but they don't even have power yet. Giving them a way to have power would 
consumers around the world be willing to support some of that and you know in, in exchange for the stories uh, that are going to come out of that village and the impact it's going to create and if you take a kind of an interesting view of philanthropy as a form of entertainment it's a discretionary spend like it's we just choose to spend it but some people are willing to spend small amounts of money to see that that result happened more than wanting to go to a movie or wanting to go out for, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I'll give up a cup of coffee, discretionary spend element, every day for a month just to make sure Purdy gets through her exam, right? That's philanthropy as entertainment. And I think that's one area we're heading to as well. I love that philanthropy is entertainment. I can. We're okay. reimagining philanthropy. We got to. Yeah. You know, because basically you all it is, it's brain chemicals. We're, you're buying endorphins and, and oxytocin when you make a contribution. That's that warm, lovely feeling you get when you feel like you help somebody is uh, oxytocin. Mm -hmm. It's a brain hormone. And uh, funny enough, it, you know, if you go, give lots of little gifts, you get way more of it than if you give one big gift. So right. you know, in some ways, we're becoming brain drug pushers. We're trying to get you hooked on philanthropy. And uh, crowdfunding is your gateway drug, so just be careful. I love, I'm definitely using it on the podcast description of uh, <laughs> crowd crowdfunding gateway drug. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> to philanthropy is entertainment. Yeah, I love. Wow, oh, this story is right. Now. Is yeah, cool. it it really is. It really it really is. So, uh, to I mean, hey, do you have any additional things you want to throw in? Like, um, any anything that the audience should be aware of? Either things that you guys are doing at your company, or things that other things that are going on in the crowdfunding space. Um, I think one of the, the things that I would love more entrepreneurs to know in this is that if we're in the crowdfunding world together, you know, I talked a lot about how it takes community. And I think for startup community, and especially in fintech space and others, it, it's really important for us to think about how we help each other, as opposed to how we're just always in competitive mode or selfish mode. Because it's amazing the amount of help that we've had along the way and uh, the amount of help that now I can help muster for other startup companies. I'm currently advising 20 different startups and you know, I've got a, a nice network that I've built up over the years that they can count on to help them. This working together thing, which we learned through doing our crowdfunding business is one of the keys to actually making your business successful. And I really encourage a lot of the entrepreneurs to think about that that when they're thinking about how they ask for help, also ask how they can help. And it changes the conversation dramatically and you know, you get much better results much faster. So uh, to wrap this up, what would be the best way for the audience to either contact you personally and or connection point? Do we snap you? Do we tweet you? Do we email you? Uh, smoke signal, like what would be the best way to contact you guys? Best way to hit me, um, find me on LinkedIn, Daryl Hatton, D-A-R-Y-L-H-A-T-T-O-N. Um, mention the show or else I might ignore you because so many sales guys try and hit me up that way. <laughs> and um, you can find uh, fundraiser, F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R.com. Awesome. Daryl, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I mean, and uh, thank you for opening our, our minds to crowdfunding and making the world a much better place. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. And... That's the end of the show. On the behalf of Canada's National Fintech and Crowdfunding Association, I wish you an amazing Fintech Friday and weekend. 
You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.